This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Today's episode is one of the group of episodes in which I have some updates to make. The website stephenjtrigar.com no longer exists. So instead, every time I mention stephenjtrigar.com, know that you should go to alexandriamedia.org instead. I apologize for any confusion, but it is part of the process in transferring the Composer Chronicles over into my new company, Alexandria Media. So just remember, anytime that I use stephenjtrigar.com, just go to alexandriamedia.org instead. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Hey there! I wanted to catch you at the top of the episode to let you know that my Patreon page is changing its name and URL. Rather than the page saying Stephen Trigar and the URL ending with Stephen J. Trigar, the page is fully transitioning over to the Composer Chronicles. All members of the Patreon page will continue to enjoy all the same benefits as before, including early access to ad-free versions of every episode, access to the Patreon podcast unscripted, and all other benefits one can find at higher levels. So, if you are listening to this episode and you hear me reference patreon.com slash stephenjtrigar, that is no longer a valid URL, as I have changed it over to patreon.com slash thecomposerchronicles. I hope you enjoy, and I hope to see you on my Patreon page. Before I begin, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has subscribed, rated, and reviewed The Composer Chronicles. Your support not only helps the podcast to grow, but it also spreads these fascinating stories to more listeners. If you haven't done so already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode, we will explore Richard Wagner's lengthy composition process for his opera Parsifal and its importance to the success of his opera house and its annual festival of those operas. I'm Stephen J. Trigar, and I hope you enjoy episode number six, Quest of a Lifetime. take time to achieve. Some can be reached in a matter of minutes, while others may take several years or even a lifetime. In the case of the monolithic German composer Richard Wagner, it took him nearly half of his career to compose what would become his final opera, Parsifal. Throughout his entire musical career, he had one major goal in mind to create a theatrical work that blended all apparatic facets together to create an improved form of drama called Gesamtkunstwerk, meaning total work of art. Wagner achieved his operatic goal several years prior to the completion of Parsifal with several earlier operas, including all four operas in The Ring Cycle, Tristan und Isolde, and Die Meistersinger von Nuremberg. What makes Parsifal all the more unique 
is the notion that it was composed to specifically be performed at his own opera house, one he designed and built in Bayreuth, Germany. Because of this, Wagner refrained from calling his new work an opera. Instead, he termed it Ein Bühnenwahlfestspiel, translating to a festival play for the consecration of the stage. And by the stage, he meant his stage. Wagner's dreams would come at a great price. His career matched with his social beliefs would create a lot of hardships for the composer throughout his entire life. He was constantly strapped for money, and yet his expensive lifestyle and career would still be supported in some fashion. With his goals met later in life, Wagner finally had the opportunity to create a work of art that was almost completely of his own making, from composition to production. This is the Composer Chronicles, and this is his story. In 1845, three years after moving to Dresden, Wagner found himself in Marienbad, a spot town modernly known as Marinske Lasnie in northwestern Czech Republic. While taking the waters there, he began reading Parzival, a poem by the medieval German knight, poet, and composer Wolfram von Eschenbach. Wagner was completely captured by the poem but he was not yet convinced that the protagonist's life was material enough for another opera. Eschenbach's poem did, however, partially inspire a different opera. The epic poem's final chapter mentions Parzival's son, Lohengrin, who is a knight of the Holy Grail, sent to rescue a maiden in a boat pulled by a swan. Thus, the opera Lohengrin was conceived. While Lohengrin can, of course, be seen as a sequel to the later Parsifal, Wagner was able to keep their drama separate from each other, and each can be seen without needing to watch the other. After encountering the writings of Arthur Schopenhauer in 1854, Wagner became increasingly interested in Asian philosophies, especially Buddhism. Out of this newly found fascination, came the idea for a new opera, Die Sieger, based on a story from the life of Buddha. He began drafting sketches on this opera in 1856. No musical sketches of this opera are known to be undertaken, but some themes such as reincarnation, self-renunciation, and even certain social groups were largely transferred over when Wagner's journey of writing Parsifal began. That journey would truly begin on Good Friday morning in April of 1857 at a small cottage in Zurich. That morning he hastily began drafting the drama, to which he nearly had it completed that morning after dividing it into three acts. 
This account, Wagner's own account, is highly debated amongst scholars. Wagner had not moved into the Zurich cottage until the last week of April that year, and Good Friday was on April 10th. Unfortunately, not enough evidence has been exhumed to determine when Wagner truly began his prose sketches. Controversy or not, the prose sketches were started in April of 1857, and from there he would start his seemingly ceaseless project of completing Parsifal. It was almost as if Wagner was blighted by the same curse that befell his protagonist. Every time that he would make progress towards completing the work, he would be distracted by another project. The first stretch away from his work on Parsifal began just a few days after sketching the prose for the libretto. For several years, Wagner had been chipping away at his cycle of four epic music dramas titled Der Ring des Nibelungen also known as the Ring Cycle, which I previously referred to it as. He had been composing the cycle straight through from the beginning, and here in 1857, he was working on the music for the third opera, Siegfried. In August that year, work on Siegfried halted so he could satiate his desire to compose his controversial and trend-setting opera, Tristan und Isolde. Once Tristan was finished, Wagner began another project, the opera Die Meistersinger von Nuremberg. Most of Meistersinger was completed before Wagner returned to his work on Parsifal on August 27, 1865, eight years after his work on the sketches. From the 27th to the 30th, Wagner began making a true draft of the prose in preparation for a libretto. Once he had outlined his plot, and made a considerable amount of comments on the themes and characters, he put Parsifal aside once again, but this time for eleven and a half years. The compositions of Tristan Ulitzolda and the Meistersinger von Nuremberg were not the only things keeping Wagner away from Parsifal. The years between Parsifal's sketches and first draft were some of the most difficult and tumultuous, not only in his career, but in his personal life as well. Prior to living at the cottage in Zurich, a cottage on the estate of the silk merchant Otto Wessendock, Wagner was forced to abandon his position as the conductor of the Dresden Opera, as there was a warrant out for his arrest for the participation in the Dresden's May Uprising in 1849. He left his wife Minna behind in Dresden as he fled for Zurich. During the beginning stages of composing Tristan, Wagner became infatuated with Wessendonck's wife Mathilde. An affair between the two of them cannot be proven, but it is clear that they both shared feelings for each other. 
The year after Minna rejoined her husband in Zurich, she intercepted a letter from Wagner to Matilda, and she confronted her husband to ask if there was an affair. Bothered by the confrontation, Wagner left alone for Venice, while Minna returned to Dresden to stay with her family. Here, she wrote a sarcastic letter to Matilda, accusing her of separating the married couple and wishing that her actions impacted her happiness and peace of mind. To add to the drama, the 1861 Paris production of his opera Tannhäuser was a complete disaster, and in 1864, Vienna's production of Tristan Solda was abandoned without a performance after 77 rehearsals. To put the cherry on top, on January 25, 1866, Minna died of a heart attack. Wagner never showed up to the funeral. Several other events happened within these eight plus years. So, when it comes time for episodes on the Ring Cycle, Tristan and Die Meistersinger, I will certainly share more in those episodes. But for now, here's a message from today's sponsor. It's a brand new year, and you know what that means. It's time for us to reflect upon the past year and to set new goals. If you're someone who sets New Year's resolutions and never sticks to them, make this year a year you stick to those resolutions, especially if one of them is to live a healthier lifestyle. If you're like me, I spent so much of 2020 stuck inside my apartment. I couldn't go to the gym and most of the exercise I did was just walking around my neighborhood. What else could I do? I had no equipment, and at most I had a slight knowledge of minimal equipment exercising from my days in CrossFit, but even then those were a bit much. When I found Roy Belzer Fitness, that was when everything changed. Every weekday I wake up with an email in my inbox containing a new workout video, and I can do that workout whenever my busy schedule allows. Better yet, in these videos, Roy does the workouts with us, so his words of encouragement mean all the more to me who is sweating up a storm. But Roy Belser Fitness isn't just a daily workout routine. It's a community, a shoulder to lean on, and a body-positive space where all are welcome and are free from judgment. Via a private Facebook community, Every student gets to share their own journeys and encourage others to keep going. We all get to engage with each other every day, sharing sweaty selfies after workouts, nutrition tips and recipes, and posts that keep us accountable for one another. When you sign up for Roy's class, you not only get to join this incredible group of people to keep you accountable, you also get a free nutrition guide and the opportunity to win incredible prizes like free memberships and cash prizes. You can get back on your weight loss and fitness journeys right now when you sign up for Roy Belzer Fitness. Just go to roybelzerfitness.com slash sign up or click on the link in the show notes and use the code 
cronpodcast at checkout to get 10% off your first month of classes. Again, that's roybelzerfitness.com slash sign up and use the code cronpodcast at checkout for 10% off your first month. This new year, let's stick to our New Year's resolutions together. Join me and a wonderful community of like-minded individuals living healthier lifestyles in a body-positive space with Roy Belzer Fitness. In the 11 and a half years between Wagner's draft of the prose and a fully realized libretto, he dedicated most of his compositional creativity to the completion of his gargantuan ring cycle. Side by side with finishing this massive undertaking, Wagner gave himself another large project to design and build his own festival opera house in the Bavarian town of Bayreuth to stage his ring cycle in its entirety. While the creation of this opera house is better suited for an episode on the ring cycle, it is important to note that the Bayreuth Festspielhaus was completed before returning to work on Parsifal in 1877, one year after the completion of the theater. With a completed libretto from April of that year, Wagner began creating two complete drafts of Parsifal from beginning to end in September. The first draft, written out on pencil, had three staffs, one for the voices and two for the instruments. The second draft was written out in ink and utilizing as little as three and sometimes as many as five staffs for much more detailed instrumentation. At this stage in his career, Wagner felt it necessary to work on the first and second drafts simultaneously. By switching back and forth between them, he eliminated the gaps in memory between initial setting and the final project. The drafts of the two first acts began in September of that year, and he finished drafting the entire opera by April of 1879. However, Wagner was still far from a finished project. The prelude to Act One was scored first in August of 1878. As for the rest of the opera, it was scored between August of 1879 and 1882. But while it took several years to see a finished product, Wagner did not hesitate to begin his plans to perform the work in any form that would work. So, before the opera was completed, he gave a private performance of the prelude in 1880 for his patron Ludwig II of Bavaria, who was the major benefactor for most of Wagner's projects, including the Bayreuth Theatre. You may recognize Ludwig II as the commissioner of the famous Neuschwanstein Castle, which was the inspiration for Walt Disney's Cinderella's Castle. Finally, after nearly 25 years, Parsifal was ready for the stage, and it would get its premiere on July 26, 1882, conducted by the Jewish-German composer Hermann Levi. Wagner did not let his part in the project end with the composition. Set designers Max Bruckner and Paul von Zhukowski were given very specific directions by Wagner, who asked them to design the Grail Hall after the interior 
of the Siena Cathedral and Klingzor's Magic Garden after the gardens of the Palazzo Ruffolo in Ravello. After the premiere, 15 more performances were given over the span of a month. Hermann Levi shared the podium with the conductor Franz Fischer. They conducted an orchestra of 107 musicians, a chorus of 135 members, and 23 soloists, with the main roles being double-casted. During Parsifal's run, Wagner became severely ill, and he was suffering through a series of increasingly serious angina attacks, but he didn't let them stop him from working. At the 16th and final performance of Parsifal on August 29th, Wagner got up and took the baton from Levi's hand and conducted the final scene of Act 3 from the orchestral prelude until the final hushed moments. Due to the shape of the Bayreuth pit, no audience member witnessed this sudden change in conductor. With the festival now over, he journeyed to Venice for the winter where he would spend his final months. On February 13, 1883, Wagner died of a heart attack. After Wagner's death, the task of continuing the Bayreuth Festival was passed on to his surviving family. His second wife, Cosima Wagner, daughter of the virtuoso pianist and composer Franz Liszt, maintained the tradition that Parsifal be only performed at Bayreuth as the opera was designed specifically for that theatre by the composer. Wagner refused to see his final masterpiece becoming just a mere amusement that could be performed anywhere so his estate did their best to keep any outside performances to a minimum and at lesser scales. No stage performances were allowed, but the Bayreuth authorities did allow concert performances of the work to be performed in other countries. However, on Christmas Eve 1903, the Metropolitan Opera in New York City received a court ruling that performances in the United States could not be prevented by Bayreuth, and so the Met staged the opera utilizing many Bayreuth trained singers. As a result, Cosima Wagner banned anyone involved with the Met's production from ever performing in Bayreuth again. Unauthorized performances of Parsifal began popping up all over the world over the next several years. As a result, Bayreuth lifted its monopoly on the opera on January 1st, 1914. Theaters and audiences all over the world were ecstatic by the news, and so they prepared their productions and would perform them starting at midnight between December 31st and January 1st. While Parsifal was indeed special to Bayreuth, its beauty, 
and magnitude could no longer be contained. This episode of The Composer Chronicles was written, researched, and produced by me, Stephen J. Trigar. Links to the music and sources for today's episode can be found in the show notes or on stephenjtrigar.com. You can follow The Composer Chronicles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Podcast. That's C-H-R-O-N podcast. Also, you could become a member of the podcast on Patreon. There you will receive ad-free episodes of the podcast and member-only articles that expand on the topics discussed in each episode. Click on the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash Stephen J. Trigar. Don't forget to rate and review The Composer Chronicles. The best place to do that is on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to everyone who has done so. Your feedback and support are incredibly helpful and very much appreciated. Next week, we will go back a little further in time to the late 1700s to see just how far Mozart was willing to go to set his opera, Le Nozze di Figaro. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.